Nostalgia FC, the COVID tapes. Coming to you from Isolation Nation. <laughs> I am single. I did get drunk. I did buy Tinder Prime and I fully regretted it. But yeah, here we go. <laughs> Little Messi drove my nana to drink. Yeah, he sells Hot Wheels out of his jacket. <laughs> I'd like to think that he knew that John Terry was a huge Saturdays fan. And that Campbell oh, Soup is a, is, a, is a big deal. Pele is Jay from In Between Us. Luigi, don't quit your day job, mate. Who do you think is more handsome? Shall we love Pirlo. If you say it, say it with chest. <laughs> Sorry, you just have to what guess. Do you, do you want to go to the toilet? You ever seen a baby pigeon? Uh, he's, he was good mates with Pablo Escobar, from what oh. I read. <laughs> Mara who? Sorry? You're a pair of twats, you know that. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nostalgia FC Podcast with your host, me, Drew. And me, George. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of obscure football and history and obscure football players. So each week we'll get a guest who will give us their favourite starting eleven, their super sub, their manager, their stadium and their kit. Yes, and this week's guest comes to us all the way from Canada. Our first guest from across the pond. His name is Julian Faustini and he has his own website called Calcio with Julian, where basically he breaks down all the latest things, transfers, games, everything to do with Syria. So an, an Italian twist on today's podcast. So let's get him on. Wikipedia at the ready. Wikipedia, <laughs> Italian Wikipedia at the ready. Without further ado, this is Nostalgia FC podcast with Julian Faustini. So Julian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I was looking forward to this one. Ah, awesome. Great. So uh, let our listeners know a little bit about yourself. What, what do you do? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Julian Faustini. I'm 20 years old. I'm the founder and creator of Culture with Julian, which is pretty much a website that focuses on the Serie A, where I write articles based on post and pregame analysis, injury updates, and transfer news. Awesome. So we can expect a bit of an Italian flavor to today's episode. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I guess you could say that. So uh, let us know, who is your who do you support, Julian? Uh, I support uh, Inter Milan. Nice. Doing very well at the moment. Top of the table, am I right? Yeah, so far they're doing pretty well. Nice. So let's get straight in. What is your formation going to be? Right, so the formation I chose for my team is a 4-3-3 attacking, so 110 and 2 eight. Yes, nice. Yeah, cool. I'm a big fan of that. That's that's my usual go-to on FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> See where my brain's at as a 28-year-old man. Right, awesome. So let's get straight in. We always start, as always, with the goalkeeper. Who is your goalkeeper? All right. So the goalkeeper that I chose is pretty much the heart and soul of Italian football. I went with uh, Gianluigi Buffon. Yes. <laughs> that was always almost a given, wasn't it? Yeah, when yeah. you were saying that, I was like, I was thinking, like, who, who would that be as a goalkeeper? I was like, oh, no, of course it's Buffon. Yeah, yeah, no. He's just an absolute warrior, fearless, and a yeah. leader. Like, he has these moments of like anger, but overall, it's just brilliant. Like, yeah, I think he encapsulates Italian football. I think you've got it nailed there. Like, it's like the bravery, but also the burning passion, which sometimes the passion, over a little exactly. bit. Yeah, Although yeah. sometimes shown in anger, it's passion. It's pure passion. Yeah, absolutely, for the sport for sure. Yeah, big fan of Buffon's whole story arc of starting at Parma. And then now being back at Palmer. Yeah, yeah. It's such a coincidence. I went full circle. Yeah. yeah I, I saw, I can't remember who it was. There's a player that he played with where he played with their dad and he's now playing with them. And it's just, I love that. I can't remember who it is, but there's a player that he played with in like the 90s at Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. And now I believe he was uh, Chiesa. I believe he played with yes. Chiesa's father. Is, it is, yeah. Chiesa's father. I love yeah. that. That's, That's I mean, so cool. Imagine that, like, you go to like see your son playing, you're like, oh, I used to play with him. Still, like <laughs> 25 crazy. years later. It's crazy. That, that's I think that just shows how brilliant he is. Is like the fact that he's still able to play at such a top, like a world class level at such an old age. And like he's pretty much aging like wine, like his whole yeah. career. Like, I think every after every season, the question was like whether or not he was able to maintain that world class level. And he has been able to remain consistent through and throughout his career which yeah is absolutely awesome. yeah and the thing the thing is well with keepers you do they do tend to have a longer career anyway but For his sure. is his, his is ridiculous like, now exactly yeah i mean and he's played with some of the best players of all time mm. in italian sure. football and outside of italian football as well when he moved to psg obviously he's played with neymar di maria like so many amazing players that he's just crossed paths with just because of his longevity 
big fan. He's won nine Serie A titles, uh, six Coppa Italia titles or trophies. He's never won a Champions League. Yeah. Crying shame he's never won one. I think his last hurrah was going to PSG to try and win one, but obviously... Yeah. It seems very unlikely he's going to win one with Palmer. (laughs) Hey, hey. Crazier things have happened. That's true. I think. Well, yeah, maybe not that crazy. (laughs) All right. So from Buffon, the heart and soul of Italian football, let's move into your defence. So you can choose where you start. Who's your next player? All right. So I'm going to go with my left back. So left back that I chose is an underrated left back. I think he deserves more credit than that kind of like I think he deserves more credit than he uh, compared to what he's received. I went with uh, Gianluca Zambrotta, very underrated. Uh, I think what Lippi has done with him when he was the coach of Juventus has been brilliant. He completely transformed Zambrotta into a typical modern day fullback that we've seen in today's uh, football, the way he yeah. uh, dribbles with confidence and, attack the, and attacks those flanks and even defensive-wise, he's just brilliant the way he tracks back. And I think it was absolutely phenomenal to see him win a World Cup in 2006. Although he doesn't have the most uh, full uh, trophy cabinet in terms of his career, I think like the fact that he's remained so consistent has been brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I love Gianluca Zambrotta. He's one of my favourite fullbacks. He was very close to going to my own team when I did my episode, but I didn't. I had to make room for him, but I love Zambrotta. Like you said, he let, he sort of laid the blueprint alongside players like Cafu, where they were the and Roberto Carlos with the attacking fullback, which laid the right. blueprint for players that we see now, like Alfonso Davis, like Annie Robertson, like different players that come exactly. from left back. Just yeah, what a player. Loved him. Hell of a player. <laughs> I think I, I always forget as well, he played for Barcelona. That's right. Yeah, he had a short spell at Barcelona. Yeah. What a player. Love Gianluca Zambrotta. 98 caps for Italy as well. So close yeah, I was just I was just looking at that. It's so annoying, isn't it? <laughs> like, come on, Mancini, get him out of retirement, give him two more caps. Oh, yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, start, I'm starting to think I have some form of OCD when it comes to stuff like that. When I see like 98 or like 99 in a in a number, it's like, why not just give him one more cap? Yeah. Like, Anything above 95, just to get him up there in it. But I, yeah. I guess this is why we're not football football managers or coaches. No, I'd be like 30, 30 seconds sub cameo at the end. <laughs> yeah, take a throw in. There's a cap. 100. No one's going to look back and go, oh, it doesn't really count as 100 because all he did was take one throw in in the game. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> the players, the players still actual, actually get physical caps every time they play. So that used uh, to happen, didn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not yeah. sure. Not mm. as an international football myself. I can answer the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> If I, was, if I was getting caps for international, I would not be sitting here with you now. <laughs> Basically, I'd, I'd take offence to that, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Julian, I mean, of course, I'd be sat with you, Julian, but not George. I'd, I'd <laughs> oh, <my> <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So let's move across. Do you want to go to the other fullback, or do you want to go across the centre backs? Oh, we'll go across to the centre backs. So the next centre back I have is pretty much one of the pillars of. Italian football and the Italian national team, Mr. Paolo Maldini. Yes. I think without a doubt, he's one of the greatest centre-backs of all time, an overall winner. And I just, what I love about him so much is the fact that sometimes if you watch, if you were to like watch him play, like most of the time, he doesn't even make a tackle. Like he's just so brilliant in the sense of his anticipation and comprehension of the game. Like he's able to read the game so well to the point where like he doesn't miss time, anything. Everything is just so calculated in his brain. Because in his mind, I remember one specific quote he said is was that he plays with a sense of urgency with the fact that like if he has to make a tackle, it's because he's late. So like yeah. he always tries to avoid making tackles through man marking and uh, maintaining like a perfect position on the field. So it's just absolutely brilliant to see yeah. that. It, yeah, and like like you said, like he is one of like if you think Italian football, Paolo Maldini, I would say is probably the best Italian football player of all time. Without That's a doubt. Take, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Genuinely, I think. Like you said, his defending without the ball near him is what sort of goes under the radar. Like you said, his reading yeah. of the game, his ability to see something like four phases before it actually happens, he's already in the position waiting for that to happen. So, yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said there. Like, what, the, a, what a man. The other thing is, as well, it's like with you uh, choosing from the Italian like footballing pool, you have such a deep pool there. Yeah. Like, there's so many good Italian yeah, defenders. Sure. And the fact that he is the best of them, it, in our eyes, anyway. Yeah. 
uh that says something i think yeah i think and um, again i think we mentioned this before but i, I love love the maldini legacy at ac i know as an inter fan maybe you don't enjoy it as much but you know <laughs> the maldini legacy where now his son is now playing for for ac but yeah. as an attacking midfielder what's that yeah, about? A different yeah, yeah. <laughs> He what? must have seen his dad and gone, I can't top that. I'm just going to go for something different. <laughs> just, just something that Drew uh, touched on there. Was it hard putting an AC Milan uh, player into this team? Uh, it was a little bit hard, but at the same time as a neutral, like even, even as an Inter Milan myself, like you have to just respect like his whole yeah. entire career. I mean, he's won so many Scudettos. He won like several Champions Leagues with AC Milan and he was a Ballon d'Or nominee twice as a center, central as a central uh, defender. It's extremely hard to do. I think he was the runner-up th- two times in his career. Like, just without a doubt, like, you have no choice but to respect that. Like, yeah. he's an overall winner, a leader, and just to see him remain so consistent with AC Milan for such a long period of time, it's just brilliant. Like, yeah. Yeah, you got re- game, respect, game, and you can't, you can't. Yeah. Something I didn't know about him that I've just read here. I didn't realise he was the co-owner of Miami FC. Is he? Yeah, oh, apparently. Wow. What, with Beckham? No, Miami FC. So oh, the, I think it's a different team. One. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, it's like a lower it's a, I believe it's a lower uh, division, yeah. Yeah. Does so not... get, I don't know this about the MLS. Do they get relegated in the MLS? They don't, do they? No, there's no relegation. No. Uh, there's no relegation system, no. So it's it's a big money thing, isn't it? In the fact that, like, say for instance, Beckham's Miami went straight into the MLS. Basically, yeah, it's so just money. You, exactly. So when you create an expansion team, you're automatically in the the MLS. You have to pay a certain fee, I guess. Like, I'm yeah. yeah. So Paul Maldini, amazing player, not as rich as David Beckham. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of people that aren't as rich as David Beckham. I think yeah, that's yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of people who <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> on what other podcast would you start off talking about the, the amazing talent of Paolo Maldini and then end with talking about how poor he is compared to David Beckham <laughs> 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 alright let's move from poor old Paolo Maldini on to the next centre back poor old <laughs> <laughs> no the next centre back is also another um, AC Milan legend surprisingly but I have no I have no choice but to admire this player uh, Franco Baresi yeah yeah, pretty much another pillar of the history of AC Milan and pretty similar to Maldini too, like stayed with AC Milan pretty much his whole career and pretty much almost won absolutely everything with the club. And him too, I believe he was nominated for a Ballon d'Or. So like as a, as a centre defender, yeah, you have to admire that. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, he, which is the sort of thing I sort of forget that because obviously football existed before we were all alive. He is actually also a World Cup winner in 1983. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that sort of generation of when he was playing, obviously he's playing against like Beckenbauer, playing against some of the, the best ever centre-backs to play the game, and he's still up there Very with sure. them. Just unbelievable player. Very sure. He's one of them where I guarantee any Italian football player who goes, I'm going to be a centre-back, they get shown videos of Baresi and Maldini. Like, just do that and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The way he just wins the ball back so quickly, his IQ and the way he builds out of the back too, it's just yeah, absolutely a pleasure to watch. And he was one of them where back in the day where the sweeper was a bigger role than it is in the modern game, and he was one That's of the original right. sweepers. Yeah, of course, his physical game was just monstrous. He was an absolute beast in the back. Yeah. So, George, you like this one? Go on. Who do you think named him on a list of 125 greatest living oh, players? Oh, was it by any chance Pele? It was Pele. <laughs> on to your right back. Let's complete this defence. Yeah, for sure. So the right back, I went with um, none other than an Inter Milan legend, Javier Zanetti. Yeah. As soon as I saw the shirt behind you, I was like, if you yeah. don't put Zanetti in, then something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's just pretty much an absolute, like, stamp all of Inter Milan and the Serie A itself, like what he's accomplished with that team and seeing him win the treble in 2010 was just like one of the, one of the happiest moments of my life. Like I'll yeah. never forget that. He was an absolute warrior for Inter Milan. Yeah. Unbelievable player. He's one of them players where I think people forget he wasn't actually Italian. 
Yeah, he, yeah. Because he was in Italy pretty much, well, not his whole career, but most of it, 612 appearances for Inter. 15, sorry, 615 appearances for Inter. Was he Argentinian? Argentinian, yeah. 100, Argentinian, 145 yeah. caps for Argentina. 145 caps. That's a lot of caps. Okay. Just, yeah. yeah, hell of a player. Like he's, he's one of them understated players as well where he's not flash. He's not, like, you can just, I can just picture him sitting, like, finishing the season, just going and sitting on the beach with a book. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> seems understated kind of guy. He's not, like, wearing flash boots. He's not got a flash haircut. He's just... Playing the game because he loves the game and he's very, exactly. very good at it. Really humble, and especially as a captain, as a leader, that's pretty much the face of Inter Milan. Like, that's what you love to see somebody so humble, cool, collective, and pretty much yeah. sets the example for all the other players. Yeah, no ego, yeah. no ego at all. Like, exactly, you, absolutely. And if you, like you said about the treble winning season, obviously that was under Mourinho, am I right? Is it right? Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, the, the ego that comes with Mourinho must be quite hard to deal with if you're a captain trying to get the dressing room to meld with that new manager. He did it it seamlessly because they won the treble. Right. What a guy. For sure. Yeah, so that's your defence sorted. We're going to move forward into the midfield, which I believe you said you have three. One one that's sort of attacking and two holding, is it? I guess, yeah. Yeah. I mean, two holding, but they're pretty much like all offensive. <laughs> but it's okay. okay, fair enough, fair enough. Do you want to? Do you want to? Well, I don't lead, think many lead... people are getting past that defense, so you'd probably be yeah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably all right, actually. So, yeah, I should be good. Team. I should be good with that back line, I think. <laughs> go on, lead us into it. Start start wherever you want out of them. All right, perfect. So, I'll go with one of the uh, holding uh, midfielders. I'm going to go with uh, another Inter Milan legend, uh, Lothar Mateus. I mean, I think like he's pretty much so versatile because he was a, an attacking midfielder who not only had like the vision and creativity and who added fluidity to the attack, but also just his goal scoring ability was just brilliant. Like the way he was able to score like long range shots and his free kicks too were pretty impressive. Just overall, like a huge fundamental piece of that Inter Milan side. And also, not to mention, he's won so many championships with uh, so many trophies with uh, Bayern Munich too like he's pretty much a, a legend in the Bundesliga so yeah what a player and this we found this fact out recently one of the only players to feature in five World Cups yeah oh wow there you go we learnt that off our friend Owen he told us on one of our previous episodes but yeah Lothar Mateus I think it's just one of, like you said it's one of them players where again you just you look at him and you go right. That's the blueprint for how to play that position. <laughs> Do that, and you should be fine. Yeah, yeah. Just makes the game look so easy. Like it almost slows down for him the way he gets himself out of situations and okay, like progresses okay. the play. Love it. Yeah, it has to be one of the greatest. I believe he won a Ballon d'Or too in nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety. I believe he won the Ballon d'Or. Uh, yeah. So that was with Inter Milan too. So it just comes to show. <laughs> Nice, saved his best to come to Inter. That's good. Like That's that. it. That's really like this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in his later career, George, you like this one? There's a team we've never heard of before. He played 16 times for Metro Stars. Yeah, oh. we've heard them. Met, have we? Yeah, we have. I swear oh. we. I swear we've heard of Metro Stars. Before. Well, Metro Stars aren't called that anymore. They are now the New York Red Bulls. Hey, I used to have yeah. the top for the New York Red Bulls. There you go. Randomly, so randomly. All right, here's a team you definitely never heard of. He finished his career with one appearance in 2018. So, what, wait, almost four years ago. Oh my God, really? What, 18 for, years after he? Yeah, for FC. Uh, here we go. I've Her- just found it. Herzogenarach, which is from the city of Nuremberg in Germany. There you go. I think he started his career there and then did one appearance, I'm guessing. That one appearance must have just been like a charity game or something like that. Must have been something like that, yeah. Surely like he didn't come out of retirement invi- for Invitational one. or something, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Invitational, for sure. <laughs> I like to think that he came out He came out for one game, came out of retirement for one game and someone just snapped him and he was like, ah. Yeah, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I've got a Ballon d'Or, you know. <laughs> right, awesome. So let's move on to your other central midfielder. So my other central midfielder is... Other than Zinedine Zidane, like there's no way that he couldn't have not been featured in this squad. I think what he's done with Juventus and Real Madrid has been absolutely brilliant. And he's one of those type of players where you have to watch him play in order to understand his 
genius because he wasn't a type to be featured on the score sheet very often. And his stats may not reflect his brilliance, but he was one of those where you actually have to watch the beautiful game in order to comprehend yeah, his, his skills and what he brought to the game. So, yeah. One of the best players of all time with the yeah. greatest the greatest last game of all time. We've spoken about this in Lent. Yes. Yeah. If you want to finish your career on a mic drop, that's how you do it. Would have been yeah. better if he'd won the World Cup after it, but obviously, oh well. But yeah, the, the man himself, the player, just unbelievable. Like, And to transfer it across to management as well, which is so difficult to do, to play that high level of the game and then be that level of manager as well, to win all those Champions yeah. Leagues and the Copa del Rey and La Liga. And then, you know, he's just waiting for that right job to come along. I think maybe the France job is the right job for him next, but... Yeah, well, what a player, what a guy. Yeah, I was going to say, you were saying about like the fact that you won't see him on the score sheet a lot or like uh, have all these stats and things, which shows how much the Ballon d'Or's change and the fact that when when people are talking about it now, they talk about it, like how many goals someone has or how many assists. And yeah, so like say, say, for instance, with Ronaldo, with uh, Messi, with when people thought Lewandowski should have won it. He won the Ballon d'Or in 98, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I think that's only won the World Cup in 1998. And, and like you say, like because he doesn't have that many stats, people were actually watching the game and watching his performances and watching. Right. I, I could genuinely... Do you remember when uh, Sky Sports used to do player camp? Yeah. yeah. I could watch a whole game of him. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's what I do in my free time is watch videos of Zinedine Zidane because he's just brilliant. Like It's just beauty to the eyes just watching what he does. Mm-hmm. Incredible, just isn't it? The way he just maneuvers the ball through defenders and his creativity, his vision, it's just, I'm always at all. I mean, you can never get tired of it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another player compared to Paolo Maldini, and this one is a bit more of a high level, actually, where his sons decided to become professional football players and then went, no, we're not going to play in central midfielder. So there's a winger, there's a right back, there's a goalkeeper. <laughs> and a goalkeeper. They have all in different positions. <laughs> yeah. There's only one of them that has his actual surname. The rest of them chose their mum's surname, Fernandez, so they could try and like get away from the shadow of their dad. I get that. Yeah. I fully get that. It's Because it's a hard one to live up to when it's yeah. one of the best players in the world. Yeah, I think yeah. one of them is playing in the second tier of Spanish football. I think one of them might be playing in France. And then I have no idea what the goalkeeper's doing. He might still be in Madrid for all I know. But yeah, I mean, Maldini and Zidane, you can't, how could you possibly live up to the the like the mantle of your dad if they're that good at football? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. Insane, it's almost it? impossible. Yeah. It's, almost, I mean, it's so difficult too, because like there's so much pressure that comes along with carrying that name. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to manage at times. For Big sure. fan of them just going, right, <laughs> I'm going to play in goal and I'm going to call myself Fernandez. So nobody knows. But I'm going to Unless they search him up, yeah. Unless, exactly. yeah, unless they actually go through a sort of research, yeah. What, I mean, what a pairing that is. This team yeah. so far is looking, woof. <laughs> I, so, wanted to say, I wanted to say, like, very good in Italian and realised I have no idea how to speak Italian in any way, so. <laughs> what's, what's very good in Italian? Uh, molto bene. Not, not going to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that, I was like, I should know that. I used to live there. That's bad. I was going to say, yeah. Whoops. Anyway, let's move swiftly on from my lack of ability to speak a language or the country I lived. <laughs> on to your attacking midfielder to go in front of these this pair of absolute gods of football. Yeah. So my attacking midfielder is another huge figure of Syria football, Mr. Diego Maradona. Yeah. I mean, what just made him so brilliant was not only like his vision his dribbling and his creativity but also like because he was so short he had like the absolute perfect central center of gravity which just made him pretty much like unstoppable like his agility his way of changing direction and pretty much he was able to switch the third gear like in a flick in the, in the blink of an eye and it was just marvelous to see that yeah. and the way he just maneuvered through defenders and Pretty much, like, what he's done to the Serie A has been absolutely brilliant. Like, during that time, like, in Naples, he was pretty much a god to the point where, like, almost every family was calling their son Diego. And, like, it was absolutely... And, like, I've never seen anything like that. It's been absolutely... It was absolutely incredible. It, like, broke the barrier of football and just became an icon in the country rather than just the game of football. He was just... Yeah. Diego. To the point now where Napoli have a Diego Maradona shirt with his face on the shirt. 
Yeah, the stadium is called Diego Maradona now. Yeah. Yeah. An absolute legend of that club. I, yeah, I don't think that I'll ever die as well because it's just sort of like he's so high regarded by so many people. And like I read a quote from Messi, I think it was only a couple of days ago I saw it, that said like, I will never accept the title of best player in the world because that is Diego Maradona. Yeah, yeah. Which is very high praise from what probably is the best player in the world right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends what, what side of the argument you're on there. <laughs> Divacarie exists, so I don't think. So. <laughs> <laughs> with with Maradona, there's a video of him. You must have seen it, and it's just like an iconic video. And I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's it's a warm up for a game, and he's just dancing. He's just dancing yeah. on the pitch. There's a warm up. He's got a little jacket on. He's just dancing around. The fans are all going mad. He's just dancing, and he just like you can tell, like he doesn't have to take it seriously, and he's still no, the best player on the pitch. Imagine if he took it seriously. That would be insane. It's crazy because, like, when you look at him, it's like compared to like Ronaldo, for instance, it's almost like Messi. Like, when you look at him, he doesn't really look like a footballer. Like, he's not built. Like, it's almost as if he was just a freak of nature, gifted yeah. with it. And yeah. seeing him just have fun with it, just, it's just amazing to see that. Like, the fact that he didn't take it seriously just shows like how amazing he was as a player. Like, he barely even had to try, and he stood up as like one of the greatest of all yeah. time. You... I, there's also that um, you know uh, you were saying about him warming up on the pitch. Have you seen? Have you seen the one where he just does keep you up? He's but with a with a straight leg off his knee. Yeah, yeah. You just and it's going so high in the air. And it's exactly. Just like, it's ridiculous. Like just... I, I, icon, incredible player. What a guy. Sure. Amazing. Like whatever way you look at it, what a personality as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like. He could have been he could have been a boring person and just done all his talking on the pitch, but that's not him. No, definitely not. No, <laughs> oh, no, far from it. <laughs> all right. So that midfield, I mean, this whole team so far is absolutely unbelievable. One of the better teams we've actually seen, I think. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> absolutely. so. Absolutely. So let's go into the strike force or the forward line. How are you how are you lining this up? Is it three strikers, a couple of wingers and a striker? How are we how are we looking? Uh, two wingers and a striker, nice. I think. Yeah. All right. right. Uh, so I'll start the right wing. So the right wing and went with maybe this is probably the most controversial one. I was thinking about Messi, but I had to go with Mr. Johan Cruyff. Oh, I wouldn't say that's controversial. Well, I mean, if you say if you if you mentioned Messi, I would have said nothing. But now you've mentioned Messi, I'm nah, nah. Johan Cruyff, what a choice. What a player. Yeah, no, I have to go with him because I think he's an absolute genius of football. I mean, if you watch his highlights, it was so, like, his skills were so simple, but yet so deadly, and they're pretty much unavoidable. And I remember this one quote Johan Croy said, you guys probably heard it plenty of times. He always said that uh, football is such a simple sport, but the difficult thing, the difficult part about football is playing simple. And I pretty, I pretty much think like, that sums up the beautiful game is that yeah. nowadays we have these players trying to complicate things for absolutely no reason. But if you just play simple and collectively, like, you could, yeah. everything could just click. And, yeah, and, and it's, it's, could... it's perfecting it's perfecting the easy part of football, isn't it? Of as course, as you perfect simplicity, simplicity yeah. for sure. Yeah, what a player. And yeah, to, have, to have your own skill move named after you, yeah. let's be honest, it's not the greatest skill move. It's but... not, it's not. Anybody could do it, but he was just so effective and there's just yeah. no way of avoiding it. The defenders even knew it was coming and they couldn't yeah, yeah. stop it. He's just a fine-tuned dribbler. like, And just an overall genius of the sport, like a legend of Barcelona and like Ajax too. Like, I mean, I've always wondered about the Croatian origins, right? Did no one do it before him? Did like no, no one I, ever I feel, do that I, move? Or did he just do it? I feel like they did, but he just sort of... It probably and wasn't all... even him that coined it. It was like probably like commentators, yeah, commentators or like yeah. the media coined yeah. it as his, even yeah. though I'm assuming someone did it before him. And after all those years, for sure, for he's sure. now lost it to Hal Robson Cardiff. <laughs> now owns it. <laughs> the, Hal, the Hal turn. Everyone knows that now. <laughs> hey, George, is another name, a couple of names for you? Go on. Los Angeles Aztecs. Aztecs. That's a cool one. I like it. The significantly less cool. The Washington Diplomats. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. I, for some reason, straight away, I've got like Donald Trump in a football kit. <laughs> they play on the lawn of the White House. That's what they play in <laughs> Washington Diplomats. 
<laughs> you know that really tall the Washington Monument. That's just a goalpost. <laughs> what a player! What a, I mean, yeah, revolutionized the game of football. Like you said, with this dribbling, people looked at him and went, "Whoa, you can do that and be professional." That like, paved the way for yeah. so many different players to come forward and oh, use yeah, dribbling as their main abilities. Yeah, what what a guy! What a player! Iconic for sure. Oh, whoa. Ah, whoa, I didn't know this. Sorry, I just caught myself as I was reading it. His name is not Johan Cruyff. His full name is Hendrik Johannes Cruyff. Oh, wow. Huh. I guess they shortened it. <laughs> short yeah. The fans had to shorten it. Hendrik Cruyff sounds much cooler. <laughs> anyway, let's not get bogged down in his name and why he was called Oh, that. he's got the same birthday as me. Oh, no. No, no, no he doesn't. That's well, the date of his death. <laughs> he died on <every> his <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to read more. <laughs> oh no! Use your lockdown time to to read. Come on! I just saw the date and I thought, oh, that's exciting. But well, I was going to mention that Maradona's one on my birthday, but I thought, oh, nah, leave it because <laughs> he was dead. And then you were like, oh yeah, you want grief? Oh, he's dead. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't born on the same day as me. No, he was not. All right. <laughs> Swiftly on from Johan Cruyff before George insults his family anymore. <laughs> on to the left wing. Who have you got on the left wing? The left wing, I have none other than uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh. Absolute, uh, an absolute legend of the game. I think what just makes him so special is seeing him going to different clubs and still managing to maintain that top level, especially at such an old age as well. Like, I think the question we all keep asking ourselves is like, when is, is this his last season? Is this where it's going to fall apart? But he keeps managing to remain consistent and he's just an absolute, uh, he's just an absolute beast in terms of goal scoring. Uh, he's always in the right position at the right time and he's just uh, a very clinical finisher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the difference between him and Messi that people always like, obviously the, that debate always comes up, but I think the, the difference is Ronaldo is a pure finisher. That's yeah. just that's his thing in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Finish no. Without a doubt, without a doubt, Ronaldo's a better goal, a goal scorer than Messi. Yeah. Without a doubt, just, uh, like yeah. positional wise as well. He's all like you said earlier, Julian. He's always in the right place. He's always where you need him to be. And I'm like watching United again. I thought I remember when he when he came back to United, and I was a bit like, okay, it's it's all exciting, but is he actually gonna be the Ronaldo we once knew? And it's like, no, he's not. He's a different player to when he was here last. But he's so good. I think it's yeah. different circumstances as well, isn't it? He's coming to yeah. a team in transition that are sort of rudderless. They're not really like when he left, they were United were at the top of the game and he yeah. left because he was at the top of the game. So to come back now, when really they didn't really need him. I don't think that was the right sign at the time. I, United, but yeah, I don't think Solskjaer wanted him. I think it was more like the, the higher ups at United more. thinking this will get us a lot of money. The Premier League apparently put a lot of pressure on United because they were like, this will bring the Premier League a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, so, I totally agree with you guys. I think uh, oh, the whole, a holding midfield that would have been more essential yeah. compared to Cristiano Ronaldo. Let's see how he does. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, also, like, the rumors about Manchester City bringing him in, and I think that also increased the pressure. Like, they didn't want their rival club signing a Manchester United yeah. legend. So. Apparently, apparently, that was, I can't remember his agent's name. The uh, uh, Men- Yes, I heard about this. He planted that seed, and there wasn't actually a lot of yeah. chatter going on with City, but I he planted the seed too. to get United to move forward with it. Right. I would have loved if... Pep was just playing 4D chess and saying, yeah, I'm going to sign Ronaldo. And then United like, all right, we won't sign Declan Rice, then we'll sign Ronaldo instead. Then City swoop in, sign Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't put it past him, to be fair. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. The The other thing about Ronaldo is he's he came back to United and players stopped going back for seconds or stopped going for like a dessert just because Ronaldo was there and they wanted to impress him. I know that's ridiculous. I understand that's ridiculous. If he but if it I is little things like the that. same team as him and he turned up, I'd be showering my shirt on. I wouldn't. <laughs> 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 no, but like George said, he sets the example for all the yeah, other yeah. teams. Yeah, and in yeah, terms absolutely. of a, a world-class player, like that's you'd like to see a, a leader. and I think the culture, like, doesn't he? Yeah, of course, of course. So <laughs> you've got Cruyff, you've got Ronaldo. Who are they crossing the ball to? So they're crossing the ball to my favorite player of all time. And I this is a bit of a hot take, but I think if it wasn't for all his injuries, I think he would be the greatest footballer we've ever seen. Mr. Ronaldo Nazarian. Oh. The phenomenon. 
absolute legend of Inter Milan. And I think what was just so brilliant, which was pretty much like uh, sets the pinnacle of why he's so amazing, is that he pretty much went to almost all the rival clubs in football. He went to Barcelona, Madrid, yeah. Inter, AC Milan, and yet he's one of the most respected footballers of all time. There was never hate towards him. He, like, though, despite the controversial moves, he always seems to gravitate respect towards him. And I think that just shows how phenomenal a football player he was. And what just makes it so special is that despite his injuries, he still managed to maintain that world-class level. And just the way he, his, the ball was really glued to his foot and yeah. his finishing was just impeccable. His speed, his IQ, like it was just incredible the way he would just hold on to the ball and just pretty much go through defenders as if they were cones. And his yeah. goal scoring instincts were just marvelous in the final third. Unbelievable. I think, I don't, well, I don't, well, I think most of the, the way the game is defended now has changed. People play with like maybe a lower line, but they must have played a high line a lot against him because the amount of times he was played through and then was one on one with the keeper. You yeah, don't really yeah. see that that much anymore, unless it's on a counter-attack, yeah. but he was doing it just in the break of play. Yeah, yeah. The amount of times he rounded the goalkeeper, sat the goalkeeper down and then just, like, rolled it in. I yeah, yeah. Exactly. Stupid. Like, it's like 96 times he did that in his career or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you can see why his knees went in the end, because the amount of step-overs the guy did, like, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. I remember, I remember one game where Real Madrid in the Champions League were playing against United in Old Trafford. And they were playing um, a black kit. Yep, yeah, that exact yeah. one. And uh, he had possibly one of the best games of his career. Either yeah. that or he just had a very good game and United were just in awe of him. He got taken off. I think In my head, he scored a hat-trick, but I'm not actually 100% sure if he did or not. Yeah, He, he got taken off and the United crowd gave him a standing ovation going on. Yeah. Now, that's, in- that's impressive from like any fan base. The United crowd aren't usually one to support anyone that's good that's against them or like oh anyone yeah yeah so to do that yeah thanks you <laughs> to do that is absolutely incredible to be able to turn that fan base to that fan base were just like yeah okay fair enough we'll hold our hands up you've absolutely destroyed our team here yeah it's like fair enough and he did i remember that game yeah just that that iconic image of him yellow brazil shirt yeah with the blue Originally had the blue ones, the Nike Mercurial Vapors, yeah. and then he moved to the gold ones. Oh, them gold ones. Them gold Ooh. ones. <laughs> My goodness. And that was like the end of his career as well. That was like yeah, in the 80s before he retired. It's crazy. Yeah. Like how like how much football he played in the 90s that sort of goes under the radar because like, well, our generation weren't alive. Well, they were alive, but didn't really see it because we were a bit too young, but yeah, just True. going back and watch his... If, if you've never done it, go back and watch his highlights because, oh my God, that it's, guy. You are so right, Julian, as well, and the fact that he would be so much more in the conversation if it wasn't for his injuries. Because just yeah. looking at his... The amount of appearances he had for how long he played for, 343 isn't a lot. No. Uh, and he scored 247 goals in that time. So, like, there was only... There was less than 100 games that he didn't yeah. score in, if you look at it in that way. Most of them were probably him. He probably scored multiple he goals. Off off. <laughs> yeah. And he still managed to win a Ballon d'Or. I think he won two Ballon d'Ors. Okay, so that is your starting 11. And like, what a starting 11, like Drew said earlier. Possibly one of the greatest we've had on this uh, podcast. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> there is one more player for you to choose, and it's the person coming off the bench. Say, for instance, this team is... They're never going to be... They're never going to have conceded. They're probably... They're probably nil-nil and it's getting to 70th minute and Ronaldo and Ronaldo aren't performing quite at their best. Who are you bringing on? Uh, I think uh, it was a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with uh, Erling Haaland right now, I think. <laughs> Absolute super sub. <laughs> yeah. And there's a short amount of time, he just always seems to buy it, find the back of the I just love him because he's such a, a almost like a dirty goal scorer. Like, he's not like. I don't want to explain it, but he's not, he's not that classy player. He's just rough and loves to get in there. So I, I think that's like, it's yeah. just brilliant. Especially in a short amount of time, he's able to score two goals or three goals. And I think like that defines a super sub. I, right. I love the idea of someone holding off this team and being like, right, cool. We've done all right here. 
and then suddenly Erling Haaland's coming off the bench and you're like, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> he's just a football robot. He, really he is, is, isn't he? Like, the way he, he is, runs, he is. Like, he's a freak of nature. Yeah. The way he runs is like an alien race typed in how to run <laughs> and then just came up with an instructional video of that. And they're like, yep, they put that on and he'll do that. Head down, arms swinging like it's mad. Crazy. Yeah. He just, he's, yeah. I swear he's a robot as well. From Have you ever seen him in an interview? Yeah. He's so weird. He is the, yeah. he's the football terminator. He's been sent back from 2052. <laughs> no, his interviews, he's just very short, doesn't keep it short, the conversation, very few words, concise. It's funny. He was he was made by his dad to get revenge on Roy Keane at some point. He'll come <laughs> over to England and <laughs> just smash a ball at the pantry box to hit Roy Keane's face. Oh, sorry, Roy. No, I'm and then, and now. then he'll just evaporate into air. His, his job is done. I've just figured out what it is, right? So what's happened is in 2052, Bayern Munich have now bought every single player in the German league. So there's no other teams. It's just Bayern Munich now. So yeah. Erling Haaland has come back from 2052 to now to try and get Dortmund to beat that Bayern. Therefore, yeah. stopping the Terminator that is Bayern Munich. There you go. Yeah, I like it. That's a great plot like for it. a film. I'm going to pitch that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I mean, yeah, I'd watch it. I'm not sure it'd be good. Ah, uh, yeah. Neither of the Terminator films, but there you go. Fair, fair. I mean, that is a hell of a super sub for a hell of a team. So yeah, we'll take incredible. a quick break and then we will take on the manager, the kit and the stadium. All right, and welcome back to Nostalgia FC. We have had Julian's starting 11 and his super sub. We're now going to move on to your manager, Julian. Ooh, this was a tough one because I, um, there was part of me that wanted to go with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson for what he's done with Manchester United. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, but I had to go with my heart and this manager holds a very special place for me. Uh, Jose Mourinho, I think what he's done with that Inter Milan side has been absolutely brilliant. For those of you who don't know, just a little short context, uh, 2009-2010, Mourinho literally brought in like six starters, uh, six or seven starters in the same tran- that summer transfer window and ended up winning the treble with that team. And I think what he's done uh, leading into Milan to the first ever Italian club to ever win the treble was just absolutely brilliant. So yeah, what <laughs> a special place in my heart due to what he's accomplished with my favourite club. That's a nice thing to hear about Mourinho. See, most things that ever people talk about Mourinho are mostly negative now because of his reputation. Yeah, of course, what he's done. Around, yeah. but- it shows that he, like, at one phase of his career, at least, he was an unbelievable manager. To, like you said, to pull Inter from where they were to, to where you finished that season with the treble, with the players you had. I remember the Champions League final. Was it Militao scored in the final? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Diego, was it, uh, Diego Milito. Was Mil- yeah. Diego Milito scored the two goals in the finals. Yes. And even him, like, he just arrived. Uh, he just arrived that season from uh, Genoa, Milito, Eto. Uh, Wesley Schneider, Thiago Mota, Pandev, Lucio, like all these players just arrived that very that very season, like right before the season even began. And it was just such a controversial season where you had the rival between Pep and Mourinho and Zlata requesting a transfer from Mourinho's team to Pep's side to try to win the Champions League. And then Barcelona and Inter facing off against each other in the semifinals of the Champions League. Like it was just... I don't know, the whole season itself was pretty much a Cinderella story. And it's what I love about Jose Mourinho. It's like his psychology, his mental aspect of the game is brilliant because like a lot of people look at Mourinho, and like especially to Alex Ferguson, he was totally against having Mourinho as his... Um, as his um, successor. As a successor. Uh, thank you. I was looking for the word. As a successor <laughs> due to the fact that he wasn't the best footballer. He was totally against the idea of not having like... Um, like in terms of his professional career, Jose Mourinho was very poor and he was totally against that. He His views on it was how could a guy who's barely ever played football before be such an incredible manager and he's managed to pretty much prove all the doubt is wrong and he and has accomplished so much. Yeah. I, I even thought about 2004 when he won the, the um, uh, exactly. Champions exactly. League with Porto. Yeah, the, the yeah they only beat, they, uh, they beat Monaco in the final. I remember watching that game. Yeah. But, like they had... They didn't have the best squad in the Champions League that year by any stretch. Just the tactics he had nailed. Of course, yeah. I think the problem Mourinho's had as his career has gone on into the 2010s and beyond is that the game's caught up with his tactics and now his tactics aren't as effective as they once were. Right. The game's sort of caught up and gone, well, we can just do this to get around it. Whereas, like, 
mid two thousands up to when he like came to Inter and, and solved the Inter, like that tactic he had of pretty much just sit, hold, score a goal, park the bus, it works. Because he won the title for Porto, Champions League of Porto, Chelsea, obviously at Inter, Real, he did well for a little bit. Like he, I, He's no slouch, he knows what he's doing. His Chelsea side was one of the most feared sides. Yeah, 100%. From what I remember, like being a United fan, Chelsea were the team you did not want to come up against. I totally agree. Um, and like, like you say, so the... The part, the portion of his career where it was Porto, Chelsea, Milan, and then Madrid, right. was one of the best. Like he was one of the best managers in the world. And then mm-hmm. it just goes when he goes back to Chelsea and then United, Tottenham, basically staying in the Premier League. Yeah, it just went downhill. Yeah, and it's probably the British media being so negative as well doesn't help. Right. But also, his personality is not very likable. So well, I think a lot of the- people. All or Nothing Tottenham documentary actually comes across really well. I think, I he, think so, yeah. I think yeah, I think it was just brilliant to see like, the way he kind of like motivated and tried to get the best out of those players like in the yeah. dressing room was just, was just really nice to see. Like, like Sometimes it's just not a good fit with players, but like with certain players, you can see that he has that sort of, he can see the potential and he's the right one to untap it. For example, right. Tammy Abraham right now at Roma. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be clicking very well. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris Smalling as well, like at United under Mourinho. Absolute rubbish at Roma. Yeah. He's doing really well. Yeah. yeah. Mikatayan, too, one of the players that he sold and it seems to be working out now. He, they put their issues aside and they seem to be uh, gelling very well. So. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Great choice. I mean, that, I think Mourinho's managed quite a few of these players, has he? Zanetti, definitely. Uh, I think it was just Ronaldo. Just two of them. Is it just Cristiano and Zanetti? There you go. All right, so let's go on to your stadium. Uh, Where stadium. will this team be playing? Yeah, so the stadium that I chose was another than the uh, San Siro, the Giuseppe Meazza, for those of you who uh, call it that. Uh, very uh, monumental, historic uh, stadium, which unfortunately is, uh, seems to be, uh, there seems to be news that it's going to be taken down and uh, yeah, yeah. they're going to be new to see it, which I was very sad about. So I hope, uh, hopefully one day I could uh, go watch an Inter Milan game before it gets taken on because I think it's such a monumental and historical mm-hmm. uh, figure. Yeah, I think that is the, the most iconic stadium in Italian football, I think. In fact, in, in world football. It's I'd, say, world I'd football. say in world football. Yeah. Yeah. In world Absolutely. football, that's like a dream. Like yeah. many footballers' dreams is to play at the San Siro, like, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I've seen that. I, in fact, yesterday I saw the plan for um, the cathedral. It's going to be called. Yeah, the cathedral. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. It is looking incredible, to be fair. But I is mean, it is it going to be both teams in there again, or are they both yeah. yes, separate? Both teams yeah. at the same time. But I think that's what makes it so special. It's especially like a Milan derby where having both fans in it just makes it brilliant. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm happy that they at least kept. Both uh, a joint stadium with both yeah. uh, Milan teams. I think that's what makes it so special. Uh, that's what I like about it. There's something I, I I don't know. There's something about that the fact that unique, there's isn't it? two rival rival clubs just playing in that. Like you couldn't see, you wouldn't see City and United doing it. You wouldn't see Everton and Liverpool no. doing it. You wouldn't see. No, like, I think it would be too crazy. I think yeah. it would be a disaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah with British fans, yeah, it would the be British good. fans are. Well, I mean, the Italian fans too, but. Um, Sometimes it could be a bit mental, but I mean the English fans are the the Premier League fans are a bit um, like uh, I've seen it. We've seen it over and over again. They they seem to uh, not be able to control themselves at times. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a, a very poorly kept secret that English fans are not very good at containing themselves at football games. <laughs> I appreciate. Say so that almost... when I lived in Italy, I was uh, okay. my wife and I had gone to Verona for the day. And it was a day that Hellas were playing against AC. Oh, wow. And um, I didn't know where the stadium was. Like, we okay. were just gone for the day. And then as we got off the train, we were walking down the street and we happened to get off the train at the exact same time as the AC fans got off. And they were oh, absolutely crazy marching down the street. We're like on the other side of the road, like, okay, just keep your head down. They won't notice us. It's fine. Just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, there were like flares in the middle of the street. It was crazy. No, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Milan fans, AC uh, Inter Milan fans are absolutely crazy. Like I remember just uh, like during COVID when it was the lockdown and in Italy, like it was like shut down, banned to winter stadiums. 
then there had to be Italia. So Inter versus Juventus, just fireworks like outside the San Siro. It was crazy. And... Yeah, it's always Italian fans that are outside, like in Champions League games, where like the, they find out where oh, the yeah, team yeah. hotel is, and they camp out by the team hotel the night before with fireworks. Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, with the with the sold out stadium, there's still gonna be fans outside waiting to hear a goal scored. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I love that. Is it? I might be wrong here. Is it? Um the San Siro where that famous pictures uh, of oh, who is it? Is it Rui Costa and Matarazzi? Yeah. And there's a, there's loads of flares on the and pitch. They're stood, and both they're stood just, their hands on the hips. In my head, Matarazzi is like leaning or Rui Costa is leaning on. Yeah. Like I, think, yeah I think it's, it's yeah, I think it's San Siro because Rui Costa played for, was it AC? I believe AC and yeah. Matarazzi for sure in Milan because he's an Inter Milan legend. So I'm pretty sure it was that. I yeah. just, Rui I've Costa played for AC. Yeah. So San Siro. Okay. Well, I mean, an incredible stadium. And like you yeah. said, it's like one of them sort of like a, every football fan should try and get to one of those stadiums in the lifetime. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Stadium. Yeah, I found the photo. It was an ill-tempered Milan derby in 2005 and they're just watching the flares go off on the pitch. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Mental. Love it. All right. So, last pick. Your kit. What kit will this team be playing in? Uh, it was a tough one, but I went with the new uh, Venezia jerseys. I don't know if you guys saw oh, them. Yes. I so love the couple ones. They're so nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're absolutely fly. It's insane. So, I went Which with those one. Which one, sorry? The new uh, Venezia jerseys. Uh, they have three kits and all of them are absolutely incredible. Yeah, they're all beautiful. I mean. Special place in my heart for Venezia because uh, Welsh legend Ethan Ampadu is currently playing there on loan. Yeah. They're, they are so nice. They just get the vibe. Like, you think yeah. a kit that was based in Venice or near Venice, you'd be like, yeah, that's it. It's so yeah. nice. Love that it's Kappa because Kappa is such a historical uh, sponsor. Like back in the days, like Kappa pretty much sponsored like all the teams in yeah. Syria. So all those beautiful iconic jerseys had Kappa on it. So I love the fact that they were uh, they were they stuck with the the roots of Syria. Football. Yeah, absolutely. So nice. And like their first season back in Syria, and they they just vibes just like this. Yeah, so yeah, nice. for sure. That's a great way to uh, uh, welcome themselves back into. Uh, top flight league of Italy yeah unbelievable kits love those kits so much that is so nice as well yeah I think it's the third (laughs) I think it's the third kit with like the Kappa symbol loads on it right yeah I believe so to be honest I lost track of which one is the home kit the third kit (laughs) oh nice they've always had nice kits for next year to be fair that black green and orange they have they have they have I just paid a bit more attention now because it's the first time in a while that since they entered Serie A but like I looked back into the history and they actually did have yeah. very nice kids back in the day again my it's just a nice colour scheme isn't it yeah my 28 year old man mindset I can't find that kit on Ultimate Team I'm trying to get it but I can't get it for FIFA no it's, it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> everybody's wants them everybody's requesting them it's absolutely insane well well, well, well. Look at this team, George. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm there's only one team I think it can match it in from what I can remember in, Sam's. which is Sam Passes, yeah. yeah. Which uh for you, Julian, had like Puyol, Ronaldo, had Messi, it had Ronaldinho, it had Zidane in it, I think. It okay, had, okay. So he just went he just went for absolute superstars and just yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's the that's the only one I can think would rival it. I mean, I'd watch that game. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> what a team. For sure, for sure. I think it would be crazy. Awesome. Right, well, we will go through this team one more time to review your choices. Then all left to do is for you to name the team. Yeah. Okay, so, Julian, your formation was a 4-3-3 with two eights and a 10 in midfield. Your goalkeeper was Italian legend Gianluigi Buffon. Your right-back was Javier Zanetti. Centre backs Franco Baresi and Paolo Maldini, and your left back Gianluca Zambrotta. Wow! What like from someone who does who does uh, who's got a website on the Syria? I'm not surprised, <laughs> like at all. A bit biased in terms of what I think, but at the same time, like very all incredible players. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know, from a star-studded defence, you know, it only it only carries on a little bit. It's not. It's not. No, great. no. But um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the two older midfielders of Mateus and Zizou himself, Zinedine Zidane. And then the attacking midfielder of arguably one of the best players in the world, Diego Maradona. Yeah, your right winger, Johan Cruyff, your left winger, Cristiano Ronaldo, and your striker, Ronaldo. The wow. Ronaldo. The Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, moving, uh, coming off the bench is going to be Erling Haaland, the robot himself <laughs> sent to destroy Roy Keane. Manager, Jose Mourinho. The stadium is, the, of course, the San Siro, and the kit is the Venezia kit from this year. Wow, wow, wow. What a team that is. Yeah, so Julian, incredible. all that's left to do is name that team. Yeah, so the name I went with, simple but pretty comical at the same time. I called it the best team ever. So I took a turn, took a take on Patrice Evra's, uh, <laughs> Patrice Evra there, fine fullback himself. <laughs> so best team ever. Love that great team name. How did you... how did ever not get in above uh, above <laughs> oh, Zambrotta? Above Zambrotta, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> Right, awesome, Julian. So before we let you go, again, massive thanks for coming onto the podcast. Before you let go, point our listeners in the directions that they can find you. Where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. So if you guys want to inform yourselves on what's going on in the Syria, you could check out my website, www.culturallyjulian.com, and you guys could follow me on Instagram and Twitter at culturallyjulian to keep up to date in terms of when I post articles on the Serie A and whenever I collaborate with different podcasts. Thank you guys for having me on again. It was a pleasure. I was very excited to uh, do this one. Very unique. And uh, it brought me back to uh, all the beautiful memories. Uh, of, That's uh, why we do it. Game. Love that. Yeah. Hey, really appreciate that, mate. Thank you very much. So Julian there, delivering what potentially is the best team we've ever had on Nostalgia FC. Sorry, the best team we've ever had. Ever had, yep, sorry, ever had. (laughs) Great team, great team name. I love a good pun, even though he's not in the team. No. I mean, he's he's never going to get in that team. No. I saw a thing recently that said the best at Premier League 11 of all time, and he was in that, and I was like, I'm sorry, that's not true. No, there's there's at least three of the better left-backs than him in the Premier League era. Alberto Moreno played in the Premier League. People forget that. (laughs) Oh, shut up. So let's go on to Julian's actual team. Uh, obviously, very heavily influenced by Syria, being yeah. that he writes about Syria on the daily. You'd imagine that would be the case, and it was. And I think we can give him a free pass because the team he selected was incredible with some of the best players of all time that just happened to have also played in Syria. Yeah. I mean, they all have, haven't they? Let me just double check. Uh, actually, yeah. Did Cruyff? Who did Cruyff play for? No, no, Cruyff played in Holland and no. Barcelona, didn't he? Yeah. And Haaland hasn't played there yet either. Yet. Only <laughs> amount of time, he'll probably go to Juventus at some point, just to, or go to like whichever team is taken over, he'll go to the team <laughs> opposite, just take them down. That's his that's his whole vibe. So there we go. Another episode in the bag. A great guest, our first guest from across the pond. Julian there based in Canada. So amazing to connect with Julian there. A great sports writer, so do check him out. Go to www.calciowithjulian.com and you will be able to read all of his articles that he posts weekly about all things Syria, transfers, injuries, latest news, results, match reviews, the whole thing. He does it all, and it is all very good. So definitely go check it out. Give it a read if you're into Syria and you want to get clued up. Also, if you listen to us on a podcast provider which has the ability to rate and review, please do so. Five stars if you would. It does help us get into the algorithms and all the search engines a bit easier, including now Spotify, where you can now leave a rating on Spotify. Just head to our page on Spotify, top of the page. There's a little thing that says five stars. Uh, Click on it. Click five stars if you want to. If you want to go lower, (laughs) then just don't bother. Um, Yeah, I gave gave it a four star because I was sort of, you know, I wasn't too sure. But yeah, one of the hosts isn't great, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? Oh, yeah, but if you can give us a rate review, guys, that would be incredible. Thank you very much. And yeah, thanks again for coming and listening with us. Um, before we go, I just want to point in the direction of our social media channels. So, George, what have we got? We have Instagram. We have TikTok. If I can ever log back in, we have Facebook. We've <laughs> <laughs> got Twitter. I remember the password for Twitter. There you go. Okay, there we go. We also have an email address. 
which is nostalgiafcpod at gmail.com. Yes. Oh, and all socials are at nostalgiafcpod. I can't remember if we said there that. There you go. We didn't, but there you go. Now you can find us. Go find us because we do post a lot. And uh, if you listen to the podcast before, you know we, we do tell you this every time. But go check it out because George spends a lot of time making good videos and we post them and they're very funny. So definitely go check them out. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you all again next week. We'll have a new special guest revealing their favourite team of all time. All I have to say is, this was Nostalgia FC featuring Julian Faustini delivering the team of the best team ever. And what a team it was. And what a team it was. So in case you didn't know, George is a big United fan and I'm a big Liverpool fan. Okay, okay. So rivalry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it was. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs>